0: Hello and welcome back to episode two. We made it to episode two of Carl's Meltdown Time. Um, I made a kind of agreement with myself that if um, ten people listened, then I would continue on. So I'm quite excited. I got some really great feedback um, from some friends um, and also a really great shout-out from someone who I really, really respect, um, which is Christian Hull. Um so yeah, basically the feedback was is that I did jump around a little bit in the first episode, which um you know I knew was going to be the case, but it was it was my first try, so that's gonna hopefully improve as we as we go along. One thing that was put um put to me, which I absolutely know that is is something that I need to work on in general, is that I did put myself down quite a bit during that. Um, you know, saying that no one's going to listen. I think I do the same on my YouTube videos where I kind of think no one's going to watch. So I'm going to try very hard to not do that. (laughs) So that's going to be a challenge in itself. So um, the way I want to structure today is uh, just a quick update on how I'm going. And then I really want to get stuck into talking about borderline personality disorder because that is kind of the centre, the epicentre of my mental health issues. Um, you know, my depression and anxiety are intrinsically linked to to borderline personality, and so that's the, the topic that I want to explore today. So, update on how I'm feeling. It's, <laughs> it's actually been a rough couple of weeks. I wish I had have been able to get this done a little sooner, but... Um, there's been a few complications. So I had a new, I think I meant, may have mentioned a new medication that was added into the mix. And funnily enough, it produced some really serious side effects. So all my joints were sore. Um, there was a, morning, a few mornings ago before I spoke to my doctor that I physically couldn't get out of bed. Um, every joint was kind of locked and really painful. I couldn't move my neck or head. So um, we've kind of halved the dose of that, Um, and obviously I'm feeling a little frustrated because it looks as though we're going to need to start again. So that means going through the reduction of this one, then looking at adding in something else, um, which will then produce its own side effects because you feel more anxious and depressed before things get better, so... Hopefully that starts to work. Um, Just to give you an idea, I currently take 11 tablets a day, um, which for anyone is a huge amount of medication going into your body. So medication is something that my doctor and I are working really hard on to find the right mix um, and, you know, try and reduce the amount of medication going in. Um, you know, I'm absolutely not one of those people who is shies away. If I have to take 25 tablets a day for things to be okay, I will. But, you know, obviously everything comes with a price and they all come with their certain side effects. So, yeah. So it's been a, a, an interesting couple of weeks of mood changes, uh, you know, going from depression to, to anxiety Um, and then into distress levels which uh, have been a little bit scary at times so that's the reason I wanted to talk about borderline personality disorder Um, and from now on I'm going to refer to it as BPD because it's just annoying to say borderline personality disorder all the time and we all know that mental health love a good acronym so uh, BPD it is for today so I want to start with a quote that is from the uh, absolutely the the leading expert in in BPD in the world, Marsha Lineham, who is a sufferer herself and who's developed uh, an amazing strategy for the treatment of BPD. So, to give you an idea, this really resonated with me when I read it because it it it's just you know really kind of hit the nail on the head. So the quote is that borderline individuals are the psychological equivalent of third degree burden patients they simply have so to speak no emotional skin even the slightest touch or movement can cause create uh, can create immense suffering so that means that you know in the slightest terms it's it's basically I might feel something that someone else feels on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, you know, they experience something and they experience a distress level of 4. Mine would be a 9 or a 10 for the same situation. So things like rejection, lots of different emotions. You know, I was um, rejected by my best friend of, of 17 years. They have um, decided they want nothing to do with me a couple of years ago. And for me, that was like a death. You know, it felt I, I couldn't bring the emotion down a level. It, it just was skyrocketing out. I wasn't able to deal with it. It felt too painful. Um, rejection is one of my very big triggers. So um, BPD itself is, is absolutely one of the, the least um, understood and definitely one of the most stigmatized mental health issues. Uh, it's an extremely complex illness, and in truth, a lot of years of, tra- of no treatment can go by, um, or you can be incorrectly diagnosed with bipolar because they do share similar kind of aspects on the on the scale. So, some people who are sufferers of BPD are actually taking medication for bipolar and being treated both psychodynamic therapy with bipolar. And, you know, that's not going to hit the mark, obviously. So for, for a bipolar patient, they need, you know, a specific form of treatment, as does someone who suffers with BPD. So it's definitely the, uh, the stigma that attached to it. That's one thing I want to talk about. And I'm sure if anyone's listening out there that has BPD or, or any mental health issue and you've experienced um the receiving end of the stigma of mental health, it's, it's quite a crushing blow. So there are a lot of doctors, there's a lot of psychiatrists um, out there that actually won't treat someone who has already been diagnosed with BPD. Um, they are a high suicide risk. Um, one in five males um, complete suicide, so it's a fairly scary statistic. And so there's a lot of doctors and um, psychiatrists and psychologists who shy away from treating someone with BPD because of the complexities of the illness. And historically, people with BPD have been seen as manipulative, bad people. And, you know, like anything, like any mental health issue or any behavioural issue, there's a sliding scale. You know, there's there's the extreme end of things, and there's a the middle range and then there's a the low range. Um, so, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all illness, absolutely. So a lot of years for me went by without being diagnosed uh, or treated for, for BPD. So, you know, I'm now 38 years old and I was only diagnosed um, three years ago. So um, that means I went through, you know, a, a good... A good fifteen years of, or 20, nearly yeah, close to twenty years of, of of you know suffering and and not understanding why why I didn't fit in in the world, why I felt like I was always an outsider, looking in, um, you know, I didn't feel like I fitted into any sort of community, or um, and that created a tough a tough life and, and I had to build my own resilience and my own tactics of dealing with it um, without understanding what was actually going on. So, you know, having a successful career meant that I had to put on this front of, you know, someone who was happy and joking and and, and you know, a lot of people that I know that are close to me, that, that worked with me for a long time, you know, eventually you knew, knew that that there was something going on. That, um, but for the most part, I was able to cover it pretty well for for most of the time. So the cracks started to show. Um, when I was around 28, um, you know, I started to uh, experience some really s- severe symptoms of depression and, and self-harm behaviors and suicidal thoughts. So I was actually living in Scotland at the time, and it, the, you know, the it was it was a tough time because, again, I didn't know what was going on. So, thus began the never-ending <laughs> cycle of GPs visits. Um, you know, I was in Scott, I lived in Edinburgh, um, and I would literally be at the doctor's every couple of days or every week. Sometimes the doctor would that I'd seen. In three times in the last week, would act or pretend, you know, seem like they didn't even know who I was. And one particular time, I remember presenting really distressed, and and I was kind of begging for for help. And he suggested that I join the gym. So I walked out the door, and I fell on the ground, and I was just hysterical. I was so so distressed because I thought. You know i'm I'm putting myself at this person's mercy and and what's going on, they're telling me to to join the gym. Um, I bet you a million dollars that nearly every mental health patient has been told. obviously we know exercise is a good thing, though I'm not saying that at all. Um, but as a solution to your mental health problem, particularly something as complex as BPD or um, or severe depression and anxiety, you know, it's, it's not as easy as just popping to the gym and suddenly everything gets better. Exercise does help and I do not want to send a message that I'm not advocating for exercise as part of your self-care routine. It absolutely should be. But um, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. So basically what I did is I started to uh, read a lot about different mental health issues because I knew I needed to kind of take ownership of things and think about it myself. So I started to research and I started to think that that's where I fit in to to BPD. And to be honest, it was fairly grim at the time, so... Um, I made the decision to move back to Australia, and there are so many times in my story that I wish I could go back and tell myself, Kyle, you need to go to therapy, you know, proper psychotherapy. Um, I guess that is the benefit and the hindsight of a hell of a lot of incompetent doctors. Um, thankfully, I found one when I moved to Sydney, and he referred me to a psychiatrist who I worked with for the next seven years, um, there are times where I was seeing um my doctor two times a week, so that was very hard to juggle um you know why was I leaving work all the time um but it was important you know it was it was crucial that i that I needed that level of psychotherapy and he was a fantastic doctor because he he did not diagnose me with b p d for you know probably three years that we and that we talked you know and every every tuesday and friday and the reason for that is that it's a serious diagnosis it's one of the most serious mental health conditions you can have and and so he wasn't the type of doctor that just you know met me for 45 minutes diagnosed me referred me back to my gp with a box of tablets and hope that things get better so there are some criteria that you need to meet unfortunately to to um, you know, to be properly diagnosed of of BPD, and I really just want to go quickly through what they are. So number one is the frantic efforts to avoid uh, real or abandoned, or sorry, imagined abandonment. So that's rejection. So the word frantic uh, really kind of highlights that. It is a desperate scramble to constantly worry that you're going to be rejected by the people close to you and unfortunately through my life that has actually happened so you know whether it was part of my illness that led to it there were certain elements of that definitely there was also just outright rejection um you know by family members um and and relationships and friends so those rejections really hit hard and they cause a huge devastation to me because I see those almost as like a death and I grieve accordingly so it's um it's yeah it's a, it's definitely frantic is the is the word to describe it so number 2 is a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships and that's characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation so so that's thinking a little black and white so there's a book that um that i'm reading at the moment that you know says it perfectly is i i hate you don't leave me so it's putting someone on a pedestal and they're either the best person in the world the most important person of the the you know or they're the worst person so it can, that can happen on a different sliding scale again to, to people. You know, I, I definitely put my best friend on a pedestal. I looked up to her for, for 17 years. Um, and it it was a crushing blow when she, she walked away from the friendship. So, um, again, with, um, with romantic relationships, you know, I definitely put the person on a pedestal and, that includes thinking that they're better than I am so anyway third is identity disturbance so it's a marked and and persistently unstable self-image or sense of self and that's what I was referring to about not fitting in in the world you know it's a lot of people have that real sense of self and they have purpose they know where they fit in they're determined they're They're passionate, um, whereas a lot of sufferers of BPD scramble from one thing to the next. So, always looking for the next thing to try and fit into. So, um, for me, that's been a really recurring theme. You know, why I didn't feel like I fitted into the gay community. I didn't feel like I fitted in uh, at work, even though, you know, other people wouldn't, you know, agree with that. But that's how I felt. And, i always describe it as being you know kind of on the edge of the cliff looking over at people at the world and not being part of it constantly being on the outside um trying to force your way or break your way through and fit in somewhere so um the third fourth one is impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging so that can include lots of things. um, To be honest, it's include excessive spending, um, dangerous uh, sex or impulsive sex, um, substance abuse, which is very, very common, reckless driving, binge eating. There's a lot of things that fall into self-damaging behaviors and that can, again, it's a sliding scale for people who, who experience that because there's not everyone that experiences the same sorts of things. Um, for me, it's been a bit of, a bit of everything. Um, I don't recklessly drive, I thank God, or, um, but uh, yeah, there are other things which I'll get into later. So, uh, number five is the recurrent and suicidal behaviour, gestures, threats, or self-mutilating behaviour. So that's where self-harm comes into it. The majority of BPD patients who are admitted have um, have definitely either attempted suicide or self-harmed um at some point in their life so number six is the effective uh, instability due to a marked reactivity of mood so it's it's a kind of sense of um dysphoria or irritability and anxiety lasting a few hours and sometimes more than a few days so Um, mood is something that I still struggle with that my mood can go from a five to a one in an hour for no reason. Um, I try to identify triggers that, that cause things but it's very frustrating when you're trying so hard to get well and you wake up one morning and you just feel absolutely terrible for no absolute reason so it's um it's a tough one number 7 is chronic feelings of emptiness i think that explains itself number 8 inappropriate intense anger or definite difficulty controlling anger so frequent displays of temper constant anger recurring physical fights so where that falls in for me is i direct that anger inwards you know i'm not the sort of person that gets into fights Don't scream and yell at people. Although I do have more of an anger issue now, Um, things, you know, really get to me and make me really angry, and I need to try and work out how to, to lessen that. Um, But definitely, um, you know, people can display that inwards or outwards, and I display it uh, very inwards. Uh, so transient number nine transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms so um, that again explains itself Dis- disassociation is something that's extremely hard to describe because um, the only probably small way i could put it is that you feel like someone else is driving the car so you're n- not in the driver's seat. You're kind of looking above and someone else is, is in charge of, of things. That's kind of the feeling that I get. Um, so I qualify for all nine of the criteria, which is awesome. Um, I tend to overachieve, which is great. So you really only need to qualify for five of them. Um, but I qualify for all nine, which, you know, lucky <laughs> me. Um, so... Yeah, I'm called what's um, what's called a quiet borderline, which I actually agree sounds super creepy. Um, what it actually means is that the anger and rage aspects of BPD are all direct inwards at me. So I constantly berate myself for every little thing and over time I started to display more and more of those symptoms. So I um, actually couldn't tell you the amount of times I've been in hospital now for things. Um, it feels like a bit of a fog and I can't really properly put things in order. It's very chaotic in my mind at times. So um, that's kind of sitting and trying not to explode. You know, It's a very lonely disease as well. Um, the negative stigma, I shy away from people, um, telling people that I have it, and although I'm broadcasting it to the world, um, usually... Um, it's actually medical professionals that I shy away from telling that I have it uh, if I um, have a hospital stay I definitely do not tell them that I have BPD because I've been treated so poorly in, in mental health uh, in hospitals um, talked about like I'm not there um, I could you know, have a whole episode on that I'm sure a lot of mental health patients, whether it's just presenting um, highly depressed or highly anxious, um, there's a very marked difference in the way that you're treated in regards to to your mental health as opposed to when you're presenting with a physical um, symptom. So um, it's a lonely disease because it isolates, um, you know, there's a lot of self-isolation which which is is self-imposed. Um, I've lost a lot of friends, um, very, very close friends that simply, you know, just kind of gave up, which I I don't want to make that sound like I'm blaming them. Um, but they did and it's lonely. So, um, you know, having relationships and relationships in general is, is part of the intricacies of BPD and why people struggle so much with relationships is, is due to the symptoms of BPD. So, you know, granted, you know, in all people's defense, a lot of people just can't put up with that and continue to, to have a a relationship or a friendship or whatever it may be with someone who struggles so badly with, um, with controlling their, their emotions and mood. So, Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, that's kind of my take on, on what BPD is for me. Um, it's something that I'll talk about more because it's, it's really at the epicenter of, of my illness. Um, it has led me to, you know, there's been times where I've thought to myself, this, you know i can't run forever this illness will catch up with me eventually and it'll overwhelm me and and that'll be that'll be it and that's a really um abstract feeling because it's always in the back of my mind that you know i'm running 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 trying so hard trying to do my blog to help people to trying to do this podcast to help people um, you know I'm trying as many things as I possibly can to to make some money um, all sorts of different things but it's it's something that I struggle with on a daily basis it's it's not something that just pops up now and again um, it's certainly you know lies underneath every day so my mood can go from feeling inspired you know writing a blog article that might have been published and and that pride lasts for about five minutes before I crash into uh, negative feelings of thinking I'm a failure, I can't do it again, I'm not doing well enough. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to those kind of feelings. So so uh, that's my journey at the moment with BPD. Um, I'm still working very, very hard. Uh, the one thing that I would say to anyone who's listening who who thinks they maybe you know, fall into some of those categories or or is already diagnosed with BPD is that the, the best thing you can do is learn about the illness because it's such an isolating illness that you feel like you're, you know, a little alien living on another planet. That's how I always used to describe it, um, that I was on my own little planet and you know, didn't have a sense of self and a sense of my place in the world. And, you know, if if that's what you're experiencing, please go and talk to someone. You know, I'm not a psychiatrist, so this is just my my journey and my story about BPD. I hope it helps someone. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for the support of people who have listened to the first one. Um, This one, you know, is a little bit longer, so... Uh, apologies for that but i think it's an important topic to cover and not rush rush through so my journey is far from over and i want to share it with you and i hope to see you in the next one so thank you and also any feedback you know if you want to leave any comments of things that you'd like to hear or would think that i could do better um i'm absolutely open to it so uh, I think that hopefully I haven't jumped around quite so much, you know, focused on one, one issue. Um, next time we might talk about something like depression or anxiety because, again, that's a huge sliding scale of, of symptoms and, and how that affects people. So, all the best to everyone out there who's struggling or who's got a loved one who's struggling with mental illness. It's tough. Keep fighting and stay strong, and I hope to see you in the next episode. Okay, take care. Bye.